Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey gang, thank you for joining us for part one of a very special two-part rom-crime episode. We love creating this podcast for you guys. So if you could please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is you listen to this podcast, we would appreciate it more than you will ever know. No. We love you so much. Thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, hi guys, I'm Vanya. I'm the Rom. And I'm Avrin, and I'm the crime. And this is Rom Crime. This is a true crime comedy podcast. With romantic revelations, revelations, revelations. revelations. You guys, you are in for it. Yes. We are this week we're doing something I'm very excited about. I guess we don't have to talk about it just just yet, but I love We found Vanya's niche. I know. I like a cult. Yeah. I like yeah, a cult. You do. I actually, you know what? I like a cult too. They're yeah. fascinating. I'm fascinated by that group dynamic of yes. a bunch of people all agreeing to either do or believe right. like one thing that's that's insane, but yes. just believing it so hard yeah. and being willing to do whatever it takes to protect those beliefs. Yeah. I am obsessed with that. I I you know, it's that thing of like so many people are longing to belong, which is like yeah. kind of Every single cult, and, and maybe religion too, which is not necessarily deemed a cult, I but you know, human like human beings crave connection yes. to other humans, yes. and people who uh, lead cults know exactly who exactly. they're looking for. People yes. who don't have that in their lives, and then they exploit the shit out of it. Right? Absolutely. Have you ever been in a cult? No, I haven't. But when I lived in New York, that's such a good question, Evren. Um, no, I have not. But when I lived, sometimes, honestly, though, sometimes, uh, you know, when you're, because I trained as an actor, 
it's easy to kind of get really into whatever you're studying and it becomes almost cult like. Yeah. But no, I uh, thought you were going to say you joined the landmark forum. Well, that's what I was going to say. Everybody oh, did that. Every I didn't, but I knew so many people. Yeah. That did. I don't even know exactly what it is, but it's basically a pyramid scheme. It's right. like they're getting people in to do um like it's like self improvement, yes. but then I think you're required to bring people at and a certain point or they'll money turn things you away. cost money yeah and you have to bring pay money so. yeah no so that's the closest I think that I have ever gotten how about you have you ever been in a cult I've never been in a cult but I I did one time go into a Scientology center oh really yes. what did you do there so I was living in New York also at the time uh-huh, New York is big for cults <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of people just, walking through every day you know there's a definite need for connection in yeah. a city like that that's true but I was going to see a matinee of Pillow Man starring mm. Billy Crudup on Broadway and I totally I was, saw that so it was yeah. so good yeah let's switch topics to that <laughs> <laughs> no I'll continue but I was I had just one or not one like gotten rush tickets with mm-hmm. two friends my friends Matt and Samara love, love you. you um and we had to kill a bunch of time because we got like the student rush tickets there was an hour right. and right across the street do you remember the Scientology yes, Center I do. like right I by do. the McDonald's yes. there on I think 49th or yeah. 50th yeah. so they have it's like a museum and they're come on in watch a free video yeah. and all this stuff so we did, and I, it was freezing outside. It was well. We had an hour to kill. Yeah, I didn't yeah. No, we were too broke to go pay and do anything. We right, just right. spent forty bucks on you know student rush tickets. Right. So we went in and we walked around, and saw some stuff, and then we w- watched the video. Yeah. And I was horrified and really? just like, oh my god, this is insane. Because one of the things I remember seeing in that this is what Scientology really is and what all these things mean. Yeah. There was something about how when a woman gives birth, she can't scream or make any sounds of like anger or pain because that'll be the first sound that her child hears and that will imprint on them and it will affect and ruin the rest of their lives. That was in the video, the yes. intro. I feel like that's information they let you know you once should, you're in. You should be like way trapped before you find out that right. if you give birth to a child, you have to be completely silent. Yeah, that's really So I impossible. was not swayed. Uh, but they tried. Afterwards, you know, they come up to you, they talk to you, they yeah. try to sell you the book. Right, Dianetics. Uh-huh. And it was, it was to me, it was hysterical. Yeah. But I, I don't think I am all that susceptible. I'm very no. skeptical about things. Yeah, I'm not and susceptible spe- either. I'm, I'm really skeptical. Skeptical, I can speak. Susceptible. Skep- skeptical. Susceptible and skeptical about cults. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I know I'm not cause I can't even like follow a workout for more than a week. So yes, I'm, I have no dedication. Definitely yeah. involved. But I also feel like mind control is a big part of it. That's true. And we're just, we have strong minds. That must be it. I know. I was really hoping, speaking of strong, strong minds, I was really hoping I could go to like a hypnotherapist, uh, to, rid me of my fear of enclosed spaces mm-hmm. um, but I do know that my mind is pretty goddamn strong right because so. I know that hypnotherapy does work for some people but yeah. it doesn't work for everyone because I some know. people just don't have the kind of I know mind I want to every day I'm like I just I release I open my mind to you please right. tell me tell my me my brain that it's okay to just go into that right. small space well because I always thought and I'd Correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Vanya, okay, but thank I always you. thought when you get hypnotized, <laughs> the concept is basically to get your brain back to a place before the fear ever existed to begin with or the addiction. No so idea. Say, you're, say you want to quit smoking and yes. you get hypnotized. Yeah. That what the hypnosis is supposed to accomplish is not your desire and now commitment to quitting right. smoking, but changing your brain 
back to believing that you you never smoked. Okay. Because non-smokers never want to smoke. You know, they don't miss yeah, it because right. they never did it. Right. Well, or maybe sure. I learned that in a book I read when I was Any uh, <laughs> hypnotherapists out there, give us a call. My number is 1-800. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but like just, uh, you know, DM us hard. We're excited. <laughs> no, I do really though, if I could you know, get yeah. that out of my mind. Well, I would like awesome. to go back to where I was not afraid to go into small spaces. Sure, but you know, anti-anxiety medication works for stuff like that. It's too. true. I have it in my purse. Knowing I have it makes me happy. Yeah. And that can be very helpful in situations yeah. where you know you're going to feel that kind of exactly. anxiety. Also, I was watching, watch, I was watching mm-hmm. a Maria Bramford, uh, no, she, it was not one of her stand-ups. It was like on Netflix, it was like The Mind, something of The Mind. Like, explain? Explain, thank you. That's and they were doing anxiety and stuff like that. And she speaks for a moment. She was saying that <clears throat> something that helped her was she, she worked with a therapist or something about going like inviting the anxiety when you start to feel it you say come welcome mm-hmm. i welcome you and i actually did that the last time i was in an elevator i'm like go all the way yeah. go panic attack yeah and it, it actually Calmed helped me yeah, yeah. i was still scared my heart was pounding yeah but i was like and i was with my child and so that's my my biggest fear is like having a panic attack and passing out when i'm with my kids sure. when i need to be taking care of them right i mean but anyways so yeah that's i like that because there's I think a cult- almost by you know saying you're not real to the monster you see right. in the dark out loud or I know this is a dream or yeah. bring it on yeah hit me hard anxiety yeah. attack I can we're gonna do this regardless so yeah. I might as well just say I got this I know and it just so bugs me that it's something that slows me down but yeah. you know what we all have our things yeah, everybody's got something true. And mine just manifests real intensely right. to, you know, not being awake anymore, which is uncool. That's no fun. No. That is no fun. But you know what makes me feel awake? Hmm. This podcast, guys. <laughs> no, it really does. I love doing it. I love it. I've been having so much fun. And we have been, lately we've been getting new uh, listeners. Thank you to all our yes, new listeners out you. there. And, um, you know, people uh, messaging us. And, and it's just a really fun small community but we'd like to uh get more uh listeners because it is it is such a fun i mean as somebody who's been a true crime fan for my whole life and i've obviously listened to tons of other true crime podcasts Mm -hmm. the community aspect of it actually is one of the best things because it isn't a subject that everyone loves but everyone that does love it loves loves it it and loves to talk about it yeah and joke about it and share information and theories yeah. and you know like who's the zodiac killer yeah. i really would like somebody to find out i know and i've been listening to other people's po- um podcasts like sort of on the same level as yeah. us and it's really fun because you know I, my heart goes out to all y'alls because people put a lot of work time and work and energy in researching and so do we and we hope we do it because we hope that you enjoy yeah. we're trying to inform and entertain and because it's fun it is so much fun i i swear to god i think it's helping with just my fearful mindset because i'm way less what fearful I, tell you, I know arm yourself with information so yeah. that if you ever find yourself in a cult yep then you'll, be you'll ready. know what to do girl although i don't worry about girl, you, you in trouble no it's true <laughs> you in danger girl yeah <laughs> okay okay revelations, all right so revelations 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 so Vani and I are going to tell you guys the story of 
the Mormon Manson family, what? as the press dubbed them back in the 70s and 80s. Yes. So this is uh, the story of Ervil LeBaron. Correct. Uh, I keep wanting to say LeBron, and so <laughs> I probably will say that at some point. Ervil LeBaron and um, his family members who were his basically members of his cult that he yes. started. Yep. And uh, let's just let's just dive in. Let's dive let's right just in. Let's dive right in. Let's get right in it. So back in 1924, Alma Dare LeBaron, and Alma is a man, just yes, in case you yes. were confused, yep. uh, moved his two wives and eight children from the U.S. to Ooh. northern Mexico, where the family started its own settlement called Colonia LeBaron, which still exists to this day. Right. They worked as farmers, and they traveled around Mexico looking for converts to Alma's ministry. Before Alma passed away in 1951, he passed his ministry on to his son, Joel, and after having a revelation, revelation. that he, revelations, <laughs> that he, Joel, I'm speaking about him, that he was the prophet, the one mighty and strong. So Vanya, Vanya well, is going to be our resident expert you know, I'm on all look things, things up. this cult. Yes, there you go. Mm-hmm. So I, um, okay, so just to, just to back it up a hair, uh, Alma was he, the original religion that, his cult or his uh, polygamous sect came from was the LDS church, the uh, church of the latter day. Yeah. The Saints. church of Jesus Christ of latter day Saints. But this is back like back in the 1800s, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you're talking, when did they move? 1924. Okay. So 18. So, um, let's see here. I think it was 1890. 1890 is when, when plural marriage, this is also known as polygamy, also known as plural marriage was like no more in the uh, it was Mormon taken religion. out of, yeah yeah um so <clears throat> let me tell you a little bit about polygamy because I'm actually kind of obsessed with it um I used to watch the HBO uh show Big Love so good. and I truly wanted to watch some episodes before we did this uh ep- this right. episode but I just, just didn't have time two kids lots of things going on I love that show I, I forgot all too. about that until you just said it yeah that was a good one. it really was good really one. good Bill Paxton made polygamy look Chloe Sevigny okay yeah made polygamy <laughs> look Real intense for the dude. I mean, and then also, like, you know, the one chick had, like, uh, she had, like, credit card debt. and the. Oh, yeah. Anyways, it was real. They were all fully evolved, interesting individuals yeah. that happened to be what married to fun, each other. Yeah. But you're right. They totally did depict that show as, like, look how hard it is for this poor man with oh, all the these poor wives. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, okay. So. The Church of Latter Day, or sorry, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints discontinued polygamy over a century ago. A century ago, and they excommunicate anyone who practices it. So right. currently, it is not it on is the persona non grata. Get out of here, polygamy. Um, the reason many people associate Mormonism with polygamy, also known as plural marriage, like I said, is that the church did support it at one time until 1890 or 1904, depending on which manifesto you read. There's this manifesto. That's like, stop doing it, bachelors. <laughs> Anyways, um, so why why plural marriage when the Book of Mormon condemned polygamy as adultery? Hmm, okay, well. Yes, well, why? That doesn't yeah. make any sense. So yeah, it, it, it de- condemns it. Well, just a minute here. There's an asterisk with oh, this good. one. Mm-hmm. Always an asterisk. Yeah. Uh, it is also said in the, in the Book of Mormon that polygamy would be allowable only if it was commanded by God. Interesting. Oh, so, so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So Joseph so Smith. So God says yeah. you should totally have 
a bunch of wives, not just one. Yeah. And it's fine. But yeah. if God doesn't say so, that no. then no. And then who dis- who who tells people that, that God told them? Just like Hubbard. The person. So this is where it gets real hairy in this line, you know, because the church is still like sort of forming their rules and everything. Um, Joseph Smith, he has a revelation, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so God speaks to him and says, uh, you know, take on some gr- some extra wives. But the ni- but the 1890 manifesto and second manifesto rescinded God's prior authorization given to Joseph Smith. So there was a time where in 1894, he introduced uh, Joseph Smith, excuse me, uh, the, you know, leader the of dude. the LDS the church. creator. Yeah. Introduced plural marriage early in the history of the church as the result of a revelation from God, although the revelation had occurred much earlier, and he apparently he was like practicing it before. And I read somewhere that his wife was not into it, or maybe that was Brigham Young's wife. But sorry, Which I, wife? I digress. Emma. Do they have lots of wives? Though? There's many. Yeah. So in um, so although many justifications were offered for the practice of plural marriage, there really was only one reason for it. God had told them. God told Mormons to do it. So can you be just like, can you imagine being married to somebody and then, you know, it's like ordained by. The, I don't share well. No, I don't either. So I know I would have a problem yeah. with this. I think I a lot like of the share, first wives like did have my problems. Food with no. my husband when we're out to eat. Like, <laughs> yeah. I get, I covet things. Yeah. And I'm like, that's mine. That's yeah. mine. Yeah. That's mine. So I, I don't think I would do. I'm like, which that, is, I know that. it's a really attractive quality. Sorry. No, honey. but you know what though? When it comes, it's, it's. Listen, there's a lot of people who believe in open marriage and all That's kinds different. of things. Like you can have but an open relationship, not, but if you have to, if you're marrying I guess multiple so. yes, fine. people, yeah. and also let's be clear when we're talking about polygamy, either within like the sanction of the LDS church or outside of it with the fundamentalist groups that, yeah. can, that broke from the church when exactly. they outlawed it and continued to practice it. The, the deal is, is that polygamy or Paul, what did you say the other word was? Plural marriage. Plural marriages only work when it's a man. A woman exactly. has never been allowed to have yeah. more than one that's husband. That's some serious bullshit. So already I'm just going to tell you that's my problem Well, with I mean, this is the problem. Here's another thing to just, just to note. In every cult, and I'm not saying, I'm not talking about whatever, but like in every cult, there's always going to be somebody that said that God told them to take on more wives or to bring sure, on... Every religion, somebody yeah. is going to to use the religion to benefit themselves. There'll be some a-hole out there that does something like that. Right, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, you know. So, um, in 1852, Mm -hmm. the revelation of plural marriage was proclaimed, like, you know, for realsies, by Brigham Young, and the practice became more and more common after that. It was said that a person could only attain the highest level of celestial kingdom after death if they had been a partner in a plural marriage. Um, despite this, the popular idea that Victorian, I think this is just funny, <laughs> that Victorian Mormon husbands had many wives wasn't true. Except for church leaders, Mormon men rarely had more than three wives. Oh, just, 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 just three. three. Well, like I said, Alma only had two. That's true. So it's interesting where his family story goes. <laughs> right. So um, so basically, in, in the 20s, right, 1920s is when they were really like, really... The U.S. government pretty much got involved at yeah. that point. So the Mormon church renounced polygamy, 1890 said it, it was or no longer something that their religion would like sanction tolerate. the practice and or they tolerate. Excommun- they would excommunicate yeah. everyone from it. But as a reaction to that... 
several people in that religion right. believed that their religion's laws should be above the laws of the of the government. Right. They and thought they, it was um, the first. They thought they were operating on their First Amendment or whatever. Right. Like infringing on their yeah. freedom of multiple wives. Yeah. And so they basically broke from the church and they founded these fundamentalists, which means they wanted to stick to the fundamentals of the religion. And in their minds, that was first and foremost, plural marriage. Right. But the, but the, you know, the church said, no, no, that was rescinded. And so what the, the people that we'll be talking about, just so that we don't offend and or confuse, are not Mormons. No. And none none of the people actually that I'm going to talk about in this story are members of the Mormon church. They're all members of fundamentalist sects of their own own churches. I'll give you the names of the churches we're talking about. They're just wild as shit, you know? Um, One thing I do want to mention, just Mm because I know we're going to get into it. Um, So there's marriage and there's also sealing. Okay. Okay, sealing. So faithful... Okay, so anyways... People who of of maybe the more orthodox religions believe civil marriages are dissolved at death, but a couple who has been sealed in a temple will be married beyond physical death and the resurrection if they remain faithful. This means that in the afterlife, they and their family will be together forever. Sealings are typically performed as marriages or as sealing of children to parents, um, or in some weird fucked up cases inter gross you know uh incestuous <laughs> shit but oh, that's wow. yeah okay. but but very rare but that mm-hmm. could be the purpose of this ordinance is to seal familial relationships making possible the existence of family relationships throughout eternity eternity eternity, eternity. oh got it so if you yeah. go through the sealing ceremony it means that when you die y'all get you'll to hang need out to hang out in heaven i love my family but you know <laughs> I, it's okay it's all right. You're like, we're going to go our separate ways. In the I'm like, <laughs> I love you, but... But I need some space I, once I'm dead. Yeah. Um, I guess if the planet's big enough, it's fine if we live on it. But anyways, okay, so there you go. So those are some of the tenets within the fundamentalists' beliefs of yes. how yep. um, marriage and family should work. Polygamy. Polygamy. So, as I mentioned, after Alma died in 1951 and passed his ministry on to his son, Joel... Joel had a revelation that he was the true prophet, the one that Joseph Smith had predicted. Ooh, the one of the mighty. The, yes, the one mighty and strong. Wait, did we talk about I the one mighty did. and strong? I think but we did. But did I say that it was... Um, oh, I guess we don't have to want to have to read the whole thing, but... It was, let's just say it was a prophecy yeah. given by Joseph Smith way back in the day when he yep. was creating the, the religion that one day the true prophet, the one mighty and strong, right. would arrive on earth. Exactly. And um, everyone Clothed was just light waiting for, for him. Yes. So after a revelation, 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 Joel has, he says, I am the true prophet. I'm the one mighty and strong. And he travels from Mexico to uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, uh-huh. where he has his church, which is called the Church of the Firstborn of the Fullness of Time, incorporated. So <coughs> he makes it legit. Right. So it was a ministry that was just this family practicing right. their they left, fundamentalist yep. religion. And Joel travels to Salt Lake City after he has his um, revelation and is the true prophet. And right. he has his church incorporated. And just to make it easy from here on out, the church of the firstborn of the fullness of time uh-huh. will be referred to as the firstborners from okay, here on out. Because that's you. just a lot. It's a, it's a mouthful. Oh, it's a mouthful. 
So Joel was the firstborn <laughs> church's leader, and his brother Evil, Irville, sorry. Oops. That was not well-timed. I was just going to try to be clever because <laughs> the, the the horrible person we're going to talk about, his name is Ervil. Like, who names their kid Ervil? It's the word evil with an R jammed in yeah. the middle. R for rape. Yeah. Young children. I'm kidding, but go on. Uh, Sorry. R for rape, though. Yeah. I mean, so Ervil is his brother Joel's kind of right-hand man within the church. So Joel is described in everything I read and could find as saintly and someone that every person he came in contact with felt immediately comfortable, embraced, and safe with. Yeah. So he just had a real gentle way about himself and a real spiritual way about himself. Sure. And Ervil, on the other hand, Ervil, on the other hand, was described as hyper-masculine, charming, and extremely confident. So the opposite of right. saintly and like a worn-in shoe, which is right. basically how they describe Joel. Wow. So Ervil's <laughs> role within the church was to collect the congregation's tithes. So basically you pa- pass the collection That's plate. Right. I'm Give pretty money. sure that if you didn't work on in the settlement, like on the family farm, you had an outside job, you were required to give 10% of your wages and tithes yeah, every that's week. That's what it says in the Bible. And it was Ervil's job to collect these things. And many people often wondered why everyone was so poor and the church was always struggling, but he always had fancy cars and really nice clothes. Ugh. And it's because, surprise, Ervil was... Skimming off the top? Skimming off the top. Yeah. He also gave himself the role of deciding who was going to marry who within right, the community. Right. And um, he often decided that the youngest, ugh, prettiest, or wealthiest women were, according to God, meant to be his wife. Of course. So he basically bogarted all the good ones. Yeah. And then tried to set up other ones where that alignment would benefit him. Real winner. Yeah. So in the mid-1960s, the brothers' relationship is strained, due mostly to Ervil's lust for more power and Joel's exasperation with Ervil's antics, which now also include the appropriation of other men's wives. So this good fundamentalist right. church guy is really into the ladies, and yeah. he doesn't care if they're married. He basically says if God says you were meant to be mine doesn't matter if you're already married that's that's using those revelations as like sort of like whatever, whatever the hell you, you want, want yeah. yeah brilliant strategy yeah so in 1964 joel founded a new settlement called los molinos so this uh-huh. was in baja california which is just south of san diego it's actually where i got married yeah. not los molinos but Baja California. Um, And it was 8,500 acres, which included nine miles of beachfront land. Oh, wow. Um, And several dozen firstborners lived in Los Molinos, where they lived in like little adobe houses. They raised goats. They had like a, they grew wheat. Right, right, right. And Joel and Ervil's strained relationship basically became completely fractured as they disagreed about what to do with this land. Uh Uh-huh. Joel wanted Los Molinos to be an agricultural commune where members of the church could live and work on the farm and it would become like self-producing and self-sustaining and yeah. then it would just be this little oasis where they grew their own food and educated their own d- children and did sure. did what they wanted to do and lived the lives they wanted to live. Whereas Ervil looked at the land and was like, tourist paradise, uh, yacht, ha- like yacht clubs, resorts, let's make right. money, man. So... In the summer of, and Joel, but sorry, I just get over this. Joel's like, uh, no. Yeah. I am the leader of this church. 
I want this to be an agricultural commune. Yeah. So please stop bringing investors. I feel like this would be a fun movie to watch right, right so now. He's like, so there is a movie, apparently. I think no. Brian Dennehy is in it. Stop I it. Didn't, again, How I try the not hell to, did I miss that? I try not to watch movies because yeah, no, I'm it's afraid true. that it's not accurate. Not no. that I promise you that what I'm telling you is accurate, but it's... I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I just I didn't get it from a movie like a fictionalized movie. Right, right, I got right. it from the internet, which never lies. <laughs> <clears throat> so it's now the summer of 1972 when Ervil, <laughs> just his name is the worst, er, like Ervil Redenbacher. Ervil, but that's Orville. This is Ervil. Oh, damn. E r v i l. Yeah. Evil with an R jammed in the middle for Rape. rapist. So Ervil told Joel and the entire congregation that he had had a revelation. And that he was, in fact, the true prophet, the one mighty and strong. Mm. So Joel's like, you know what, dude? Fuck you. And Herbal is excommunicated from the church. Uh Uh-oh. No more firstborner. No more firstborner for Herbal. So what does Herbal do? The obvious. He starts his own church in San Diego, (laughs) which I mentioned is just up the road from uh, this little part of Baja California. I mean, it really is so close. It's two hours. Yeah. It's two hours away. So he starts his own church in San Diego, which is called the Church of the Lamb of God, which I can say. That's not too hard to say. Yeah. And I will probably eventually just start referring to that church as Ervil's Cult. Yeah. Um, and this church was primarily made up of his wives and children and a few firstborners that went with him. Yeah, defected. Because there was kind of a little bit of a split, but not as big as Ervil had hoped. Right. Not all that many people that weren't married to him or his actual Yeah, I'm sure most people were like, him. that guy's batshit nuts. Yeah. And they were like, And stealing from us. Yeah. So once he started the Church of the Lamb of God, Ervil told his congregation that their purpose on earth was to rid the world of sinners, starting with his brother Joel, who in Ervil's eyes saw his brother's refusal to see him as the true prophet was it was treason against God that he wouldn't basically say, oh, your revelation was more right, right. than my revelation. <laughs> so in August of 1972, Herbal sends, I totally have to find it, and I'm so sorry. Just well, can I, can I talk pa- about yes. um, what it was about to happen? Yeah. Blood atonement? Yes. Or is that, is, is that what happens? Well, I was just going to say who he sent to kill Do us. Do it. Oh, <laughs> So in August of 1972, so this is very shortly after he's been excommunicated and started his own church, right. um, he, Ervil sends Dan, well, I've got it, I've got it, I lost it, I lost it. I've got it, guys. Give me Daniel Jordan, I'm so sorry. Daniel no. Jordan, who is, he, can, he calls him his chief lieutenant because uh-huh. that's a religious title. Yeah. Um, to murder Joel. His so, brother. His own brother. So he sends Daniel Jordan to, um, I believe it was his office in Ensenada. Oh, Just funny. to like put things in perspective. Yeah. If you've heard of Ensenada, I feel like that's a town people have heard of. Right, like restaurant Colonial there. LeBaron or Los Molinos. Yeah. Um, and he shoots him in the head twice. Yuck. Yep. Now, hold on, we're almost there. Let me just get Excited. this one little part and I want you to tell me all Real. about blood atonement. Yep. So... Believing that all of the firstborners will just immediately flock over to the Church of the Lamb of God after Joel is killed, Ervil becomes completely enraged when instead they, um, the flock, report him to the police for orchestrating Joel's murder. Right. And then the flock chooses the youngest LeBaron brother, Verlin, as their new leader. So after this part, I feel like I'm gonna just going to brush over this, which I don't want to not give it the weight of it, but this is a really 
convoluted, dense story. And if it's I true. go into detail of everything, this will be a four-hour episode. <laughs> so after Ervil is tried and convicted for the murder of his brother Joel, he serves only one day of his sentence because the verdict is overturned on a technicality by the Supreme Court of Mexico. Wow. So there's a lot there, and I'm sure there was a lot of bribery and corruption involved. But basically, after a jury found yeah. him guilty of orchestrating the murder of his brother... He was sentenced to, I think, something like 12 years in prison. He served exactly one day, and then his sentence was overturned, and he was free to go. So after getting away literally with murder, oh. Ervil becomes even more convinced that he is the one mighty and strong, because that's why right. he didn't even have to God serve more let than him a get day out. Yeah. in prison. And anyone who has betrayed him or refuses to tithe, so give money to his church, or anyone who simply just won't follow him blindly deserves to be blood atoned. Yeah. Now come in here, expert, and tell us okay. what that means. Well, you know, I'm not an expert on blood atonement, but I can tell you what I researched. <laughs> okay, so let's just say this. Um, hmm, where do I want to start? Okay, so Brigham Young, one of the church that was the church's second prophet because yes, they would always call after Joseph, Joseph Smith. Smith. I keep wanting to say Joseph Campbell. And I don't know why. <laughs> Joseph Campbell is a great author who talks about, you know, it's the face of a thousand masks or the mask of a thousand faces, oh, whatever that okay. is. Uh, oh, this is a different podcast. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, but Brigham Young believed that if someone strayed from his flock, the only way that person could gain entry to heaven was if he or she was killed by a rat- righteous assassin. Now, I do want to, note that there was you know the um early mormon faith had a very bloody start like i think a lot of people hated them because of the um polygamous stuff and all sorts of things so like people like murdered them so they were on the like defense and, and they, they were on high alert yeah on they, high had alert. Try- they had to protect themselves yeah from death from death but also and you know who knows what, if, what they were doing right or not but they they so I don't know if you guys listened to my to our episode of Jody Arias when I was like I'm like wouldn't w- would this religion do something like send someone to death for corporal punishment like right. they wanted to put her uh, like, would Jody, they want capital would they, punishment yeah it didn't make sense because I didn't know, know oh now. holy crap yes they are all about capital punishment they were like but like with blood atonement they were like no we don't want hangings we want the blood shed so um, and what makes an assassin righteous. Because you just said a righteous assassin. Yeah. Does that just mean another member of the religion? I think so. Okay. I mean, it's the revelation of who should be doing it. So basically, Brigham Young got to decide who was a righteous I think assassin. So. so he called this concept blood atonement, and he explained it to his father, followers in a sermon he gave on September 21st, 1856. And this is just a couple inserts, but um, I'd like to read them. Okay. He says, There are sins that men commit for which they cannot receive forgiveness in this world or in that which is to come. And if they had their eyes open to see their true condition, they would be perfectly willing to have their blood spilt upon the ground, that the smoke thereof might ascend to heaven as an offering for their sins, and the smoking incense would atone for their sins." I know when you hear my brethren telling about cutting people off from the earth that you consider it is strong doctrine, but it is to save them, not to destroy them. 
<laughs> I so, feel like Brigham Young was just in the room. I don't know. I'm like, I have no idea. I just made a choice <laughs> with the wonderful. accent. I'm like, I'm, I have I no idea. I bought what it. Is. I, I Thank you. It. I love you. Um, okay. So in a nutshell, the church killed you for major disobedience, right? So raping a child, murder, especially murdering a child, etc. But Which it, I'm okay with those yeah, being really bad things. I mean, it should be, right? Yeah, those are the worst things. But it was for your own good. So... You know, if you were murdered by your brethren, you were assured entrance into heaven. Thanks, guys. Okay, cool. So, so if you basically sin so bad that there yeah. is no hope for you, yeah. but then you're like, a righteous assassin can cut me down and or against your will be cut down by a righteous assassin right. as a favor, Yeah, you get to go to heaven right? no matter if you Thanks. murdered a child. Yeah, cool. exactly. So it said in the 1850s, historians say young frequently resorted to blood atonement to eliminate both his spiritual and business rivals. The church, however, let's just make sure, the church renounced the bloody doctrine in the late 1800s, but a hundred years later, Ervil decided to reinstate it. Oh, thank you. That was a very good explanation of blood atonement. All right. So now that Ervil is you know, out of jail, as I mentioned, after serving a whole day. One day. Uh, one whole day. Um, Verlin, I don't know if you guys remember good old Verlin. He was the youngest LeBaron brother that the um, the firstborners chose right. to be their new leader. Well, he's scared because um, <laughs> Joel was basically, or sorry, Ervil was walking around like, I'm going to kill Joel through yeah. blood atonement because he didn't believe me. And then he did. So Aww. Verlin basically spends his whole life in in, in hiding. They move him around all these places, um, never in the same place twice, just in an effort to stay alive because he knew that his brother was out to get him. And that, that was accurate. Wow. was very accurate. So after getting out of jail, Verlin goes into hiding. Um, Erbil has basically gone like batshit bananas even crazier at this point. Yes. He starts telling his um, followers that everyone is out to get them and that they, he basically kind of turns them into like a a militia force or a mafia force where they all carry guns. They have aliases and like multiple driver's licenses and they are really good at, they know how to like call from pay phones and then move locations. And he tells them basically creates an environment of paranoia where they are afraid and feel the need to defend themselves, which might mean acting violently. I think that might be a cult thing. It is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, during the same time period, Herbal starts visiting under, uh, under other fundamentalist sects. So he's going to Utah, he's going to Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, visiting other like small settlements of fundamentalists. Yeah. And he's telling them that he is the one mighty and strong and insisting that all of these churches pay tithes to the Church of the Lamb of God, and they're all like, get out of here, bro, no. I mean, can you even imagine, like... The arrogance, the hubris, and also the psychoticness. Oh, yeah. Dude, can you talk about the psychotic family? Yes, okay, so this is just an insert. Sorry, it's something that I loved (laughs) that I was like, Avern, you have to read that. I didn't include it originally because it was just, like I said, this is dense, thank you for bearing with us, but this is insane. Thank you. So... The LeBaron family had a history of revelations from God, which they alternately referred to as voices, callings, or commands. Almadeir LeBaron had a revelation to take a second wife, prompting the clan's move to Mexico. Yeah. And he had another revelation telling him not to register for the World War II draft. Hmm. Right? Smart. Yeah, God told me to not. God said so. Many members of the LeBaron clan claimed to hear voices, and many suffered from insanity. Almadeir LeBaron's daughter, Lucinda, 
would grow so violent during her bouts of psychosis that her parents chained her by the ankle to one of the adobe huts. His son Ben drifted in and out of mental hospitals for years after hearing voices tell him that he was in fact God. And he ultimately committed suicide in 1978 by jumping off of a bridge. Um, His son Wesley frequently called Salt Lake City radio, uh, radio talk shows to expound his belief that Jesus Christ would one day return to Earth in a spaceship. And the voices also told Alma's nephew, Owen, to have sex with the family dog. And Ruh-roh. he, too, was committed to a mental hospital. Oh, my God. And these are just a few examples of LeBaron lunacy, is what they call it, in this fantastic article on Murderpedia that I'm reading from directly right now. It's great. Um, erratic behavior and beliefs seemed to plague the entire clan, but no one more than Herbal LeBaron, who believed he had the God-given power to kill. Thank you for reminding me. I love me. that. I mean, I, I obviously don't love it, but like that is well put, it's, my friend. It's also just a good insight. So after he's like, you guys need to respect me and give me all your money. I'm the true prophet. And they're like, mm, yeah. nah. He goes back, you know, to San Diego, to the Church of the Lamb of God. And he is more determined than ever to find and kill his brother Verlin because Verlin is a traitor to God because he doesn't accept yeah. Ervil as the true prophet. So he sends members of his church, I just air quotes, you guys, <laughs> who are basically now more like mafia foot soldiers over the border into Mexico in the middle of the night, armed with Molotov cocktails and assault weapons. And he sends them to Los Molinos. So oh. remember the beachfront property that the that Joel and Ervil fought over a yes. bunch? Yes. So he sends his minions there with Molotov cocktails. They basically burn the place to the ground. It's a 20 minute assault. They're throwing firebombs into all the houses and spraying bullets. And when it's all said and done, two men are dead and 13 uh, are, people are seriously wounded. Oh. But the mission was unsuccessful because the reason he had sent them there is because he believed that that is where Verlin was hiding out. Oh. And Verlin was not there. So increasingly delusional and paranoid. Yeah. As you can tell, he was. Ervil already had many moles. So members of his church planted in that Los uh, Molinos community. Yeah. And after this attack on the community, one of them, a woman named Nomi Zarate. Uh-huh. It's spelled like karate with a Z. So that's why I'm pronouncing it Zarate. <laughs> started so she's one of his moles she's a plant she's there to like get information and give oh, it back to him but yeah. then she watched them burn the place to the ground kill two people and wound a bunch of people which i'm sure included women and children yeah so she kind of she gets some loose lips going she starts talking about telling the police where herbal is because he's you know trying to kill people and or yeah. is killing people so herbal decides you gotta go you're a traitor So Ervil's 10th wife, Vonda White, that was her name, Vonda White, when she was his 10th wife, was a good friend of Nomi's. So it was not hard for her to convince her to go for a spin in her car on a January night in 1975, where Vonda drove Nomi to a canyon in the San Pedro Mountains and shot her five five times and left her body there, which was never recovered. That's another weird thing. There's going to be many times where I'm like, and the body was never found. <laughs> I don't know how these people were so good at hiding bodies or if that's just how vast the desert I mean, in Mexico is be. that, you know, yeah. it's completely unpopulated. All right. So that comes to basically outside of Brother Joel and Los Molinos attack, which was also two murders. This will be the very next time that a hit is ordered by Ervil and it is carried out, this time by his wife, but by a member of his cult. Yes. 
During this time period, Ervil is still leaning on the leaders of the other fundamental sects to pay dues to his church or right. face blood atonement. So not only is he like saying, give me money, but now he's saying, give me money or we're going to kill you. Right. Um, but they all still refuse. Like they're like, no, who the, who, I yeah. am the true prophet. And yeah. That's why I have my own like right. religion. Yeah. So one of these leaders was a man named Bob Simons. Bob believed that he was a prophet destined to convert Native Americans to the Mormon faith or his version of the Mormon faith. Right. Because okay. he was not a member of the Mormon church. He was his own Another thing. fun, and, weird. Yeah. yeah. And so he lived on a 65-acre ranch that was just right outside of Grantsville, Utah. I don't know where that is, except for that it's in Utah. Yeah. But apparently, Ervil wanted it. Yeah. But Bob refused to join his church, so Ervil made a plan to take him out. He had one of his followers call Bob Simons and uh-huh. claim that after um, a revelation... Revelation, revelation, revelation. <laughs> he now believed that he, meaning Bob, was the true prophet. And he had this revelation after a conversation he had with some Indian chiefs. Okie doke. The chiefs, Ervil's follower told Bob, were looking for the white prophet who would lead them to salvation. Bob, who I should also mention had spent some time in mental institutions, was ecstatic. How soon can I meet them? He proclaimed after the guy said, yeah. Let me introduce you. So on April 23rd, 1975, Bob drove out to basically the middle of nowhere, but he didn't mind because that was where the Indian chiefs said they wanted to meet him. And when he got out of his car and was kind of like looking for this huge group of Native Americans he thought would be coming towards him, the white prophet, two of Ervil's men slowly snuck up behind him and shot and killed him. Ew. Yep, yep, yep. So then we have Dean Vest. Dean Vest was a Vietnam vet who joined Ervil's church along with his wife, Cheryl, back in the earlier days in San Diego. Uh-huh. And he kind of acted as, again, like his lieutenant. Like I mentioned Daniel Jordan earlier. Right, you know, yes, like one yes, of his yes. Higher, like his muscle men. Yep. But also just a truly devoted to the church kind of guy. Uh-huh. But Cheryl, his wife, she was not down with what she called the sexist teachings of a church where a woman's primary value was her ability to bear lots of children. Yeah. And Cheryl just became the hero of the story. Yes. So after years of begging Dean to leave the church, Cheryl finally left Dean and she moved with their two children to Washington State. Dean was devastated by this and he started thinking about leaving the church as well and reuniting with his family. He even started talking about refurbishing and fixing up an old barge that he had bought and sailing it up the coast for a happy reunion with oh, his family. I like that. Dean should have kept his mouth shut because oh. there was no way that Ervil was going to let his military commander Oh, right. Just leave. Bounce, yeah. Just say, it's been fun. It's been real. Also, yeah. cults, they don't just let you leave. No, cults that's, don't let you leave. That's something you should know if you're going to join one. They yeah. just don't let you leave. Exactly. So, on June 16th of 1976... Good old wife number 10, Vonda. Vonda, not Vanya. That's Vonda. me here. Yep. Nope, not Vanya. Vonda. Vonda. <laughs> um, she gives good old Dean a call and she says, I need you to come by and help me fix my washing machine my because washing only machine a man can fix it. <laughs> this is literally how they described it in the article that I read about this. So let's say that's exactly what she said. Yeah, I'm sure. So when he gets there, he's kind of looking, you know, tinkering with it. Yeah. And he just can't he can't find anything wrong with it, but he's bent over and he's asking her questions. And while he's doing that, Vonda walks up behind him and shoots him three times. Damn. 
That's cray cray. Yes. So just so you guys aren't confused, there's this isn't really chronological. I'm just kind of walking you through the known murders right. committed by members of Irville's cult at his behest. Because now we're going to move on. So we've got rivals in the sense of like his brother who rivaled him. Right. We've got rival leaders of other sects. We've right. got members that just wanted to have their wives and children back and go home. Yes. We've got people who are talking shit. Like, you can't shoot up a bunch of people and throw Molotov cocktails. Yep. And now we've got his daughter, Rebecca. So Rebecca was, I think, 17 years old. And she was cranky she was married to a much older man chosen for her by her father Ervil yuck and she didn't like him yeah and then the cult at some point split where some of them were going to be in Utah and some of them were going to be in Colorado and Becky was forced to go to Colorado and leave her son back in Utah with her husband she didn't much care for and this pissed her off rightfully so so already she's like unhappy marriage now she's being forced from her child to go work in one of the auto repair shops that the cult is now working at. That's what they're doing. That's their job. Oh, right. They run like auto repair shops. So thinking that she was safe because she was Ervil's kid after all, she was his own flesh and blood, his daughter. She started talking a lot of shit and threatening to go to the cops. Fed up with her antics, Ervil had another revelation from God. Oh, did he? Mm -hmm. Oh, did he? So Ervil told Becky, you know what? You've been so unhappy without your son. I want you to go get him and bring him back here. So Irville has two boys from the church, Dwayne Chenoweth and Eddie Marston, drive her to the airport. On an isolated road, Dwayne pulls the car over and Eddie grabs the rope that's coiled by his feet and the two men strangle and kill Rebecca and dump her body in a state park. Oh, that is so sad. Also, that's not blood atonement. They're supposed to like let yes, the blood spill. Blood. And also, I just feel like I should mention this because it's it's even worse. Rebecca was actually pregnant at the time as well. Oh, yeah, real winner. That's like some kind of sick shit. That's his own daughter. Yeah, and just because she's rightfully upset that her life is being let her have her child, and then also her child's being taken from her. No, no, that's not. mm -mm. So, remember Verlin? Right. Yeah. He's still in hiding successfully. Still alive. Really, really pissing Irville off. Yeah. So, Irville concocts a scheme. And I have to say, so much of this is like just mad lunacy, right? And it right. makes no sense. And right. it's all just crazy ramblings of a, a crazy man. But the scheme that he comes up with is, <laughs> in my brain, I'm like, not actually a terrible plan. Okay. So, since they can't find Irville, uh, sorry, Verlin anywhere... They or Irvel decides they need to figure out how to lure him out of hiding. Yes. And what better way to lure the leader of a church out of hiding mm-hmm. than by having to attend the funeral of another big leader of a church? Oh, sure. I guess if they're friends, they're buds. Yeah. So, Rulon Allred was another church leader who had refused to tithe to Irvel's church, you know, when he was yeah. going around asking everybody to give him money or die. Right. So on May 10th, 1977, Ervil's 13th wife, Rena Chenoweth, uh-huh. walked into Allred's homeopathic clinic wearing a wig and fake glasses 
And when Allred emerged from a room in the back and headed down the hallway toward her, Rena pulled out a 25 caliber pistol and fired all seven bullets into his For chest. For fuck's sake, woman. So, Allred's funeral was huge. Right. Way bigger. Because he had a big following, huge. right? Huge. Yeah, he was yeah. a big time leader. So his funeral attracted over 2,600 people. And that was, and then on top of that, there was police there and tons of media covering it. Oh, wow. So members of Ervil's cult pulled into the parking lot, took one look at the thousands of people, the police presence and right. all that stuff, and they had to abort their mission to find and kill Verlin among the mourners right. who were there. So once again... And he did show up though, right? He Berlin? was there. Yeah. But they never even bothered to try to find him because they yeah. were like, there's no way. We're going to get caught. If we we're going to get it. busted. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to get busted. Yeah. Even though what we're doing is totally righteous and right. Right. That's so it. once again, Ervil hadn't been able to take out his brother. Now, after all of these people have been put to death right. on the orders of Ervil, some members of his cult start to kind of wake up and realize that this isn't godly or yeah. righteous or right in any way, shape, or form. So a few members are able to escape the cult, yeah. and they take uh, the information that they have to the police. Mm-hmm. So here's kind of how that shakes down. At Rulin Allred's murder trial, Ervil's 13th wife, Rena, that I mentioned, with yes. the wig and the glasses, yep. testified on her own behalf. And the jury decided that there was insufficient evidence to convict the teenager. Did we mention she was a teenager? Because she was his last and youngest wife, and I believe 13, when she was given to Ervil. Um, So she walked. The jury said there wasn't enough evidence to to prove. I I mean, that's all the details. Crazy town. Right. But Vonda, not Vanya, Uh -uh. Vonda White. Ervil's 10th wife wasn't quite as lucky and she was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Dean Vest. Remember oh. the nice man who came to help her fix oh, her washer? That's right. And then as far as um, Rebecca, who I mentioned, and Bob Simons, who I mentioned, their bodies were, I think, never found. Right. So and so couldn't... nobody was ever charged even with their murder wow. or brought to trial. So on June 1st, 1979. 79. Our big strong man, our big charismatic, the one mighty and strong. Right, right. Has been hiding out like a little bitch in the mountains <laughs> south of Mexico City when the authorities finally catch up with him and extradite him back to the U.S. Yeah. And in 1980, after many ex-members of his cult testified against him, he was convicted of murder, of like orchestrating the murder of yeah. um, Ulan, or sorry, Rulin Allred. And sentenced to life in prison. Yes, 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 queens. And that definitely sounds like that should be the end of the story, doesn't it? It seems like it should be. Yeah, no, it's not even close. It's so far from the end of the crazy banana shit that's going to happen that this is just going to be the end of part one. Thank you, guys. What? I know. And I, I... feel like we've become total dicks anytime we do a two-parter we're like la 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 surprise we're not gonna finish the story tonight well you know we're gonna let y'all know but as you clearly have picked up on if you've been paying attention this shit be dense oh it's so dense so i didn't want to what comes after he is actually caught and sent to jail where he will spend the rest of his life is equally as crazy out of control culty exactly culty cult 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 right just take we're taking a week intermission because act two is 
bonkers bananas. Yeah. Act two is gonna blow your mind. Act two, act three. Well, it'll all be there. Yeah. It's just one. It'll just be one yeah, more episode. Yeah, we one promise. More episode. We, we promise. won't surprise we'll you with part three. Although I, uh, one of the one of the daughters, I think, wrote a book. I know. Well, I mean, I guess like we could make it a three part. No, but we won't. For you, or if we do, we'll tell you up front. Yep. Um, guys, have a great night. Yeah, thank you. Morning, for... day, afternoon. If you're going to work, have a great day at work, man. Yeah, kill it. Yeah. You got this. Kill it, but don't kill it because that's legal. But don't kill anyone. There you go. We don't like that. That's right. And don't practice polygamy. Although, yeah. you know what I'd love? You know what I'd love, Av? Hmm. I would love a woman cult leader being like I get to have all the husbands yeah and then and then them like being like I was so scared I couldn't leave I just like one just one I just had to look after the children it like was I, my sole purpose exactly. I don't want anyone she wouldn't let me do anything I know that's what I want well, I was know, just a dick for hire let's, man let's make it a point that we're we're gonna search high, high and, low. and low far and wide and we're gonna find a female cult leader that took many men. That exists. I guarantee and you, it exists. It has to. And I want. I want her to also marry them and like, and then kill them. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. And everyone I, drinks Kool Aid. Yeah. Everyone drinks the Kool Aid. And she lives on in exalted highness. I don't know. We'll figure well, it out. But, um, but we won't exalt her because we don't like murderers. Well, that's true. But we do true. like talking about them and we love talking about them with you guys. Yes, we Did do. Did you just like my very not carefully crafted segue? I think it was a wonderful <laughs> carefully crafted segue. A fake crafted segue. Thank you guys so yep. much for listening. Thank you. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be back next week. Yep. With part two. Part two. Of the Mormon Manson family. Yeah. Or Mormon Manson. Yeah, I like it. Mormon Manson family. Yeah.